Our message series is called, Lord, Make My Life Count. In other words, make my life meaningful. Make my life purposeful. Lord, make my life count for both now and eternity. And so far in our series, we've looked at, Lord, uh, make, make my work count. We've looked at, make your rest count. And uh, today is our third message of the series. We come to make your faith count. Make your faith count. So we're in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 and 6. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Hebrews chapter 11, verses, verse 1 and then verse 6. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jumping forward to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look at these verses and and others from your word this morning, uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us about faith. Help us have a greater understanding of what faith is, what faith is not, and how important faith is in our lives, and most important, how we can make that faith count for you, Lord. And so uh, help us, we pray, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Everyone believes in something, right? Everyone believes in something. You know, there are many different beliefs in the world, but everyone believes in something. You know, even non-religious people have a deeply held set of beliefs about the world around them. And so in a world with, many, with uh, just so many choices, where do you turn, right? How do you decide? Right, let's face it, we can't all be right, right? Some of these things conflict. So how do you know what to believe in? And what you believe about God and the world is vitally important because what you believe has a direct impact on the actions and the decisions you make in life. How sad if you got all the way to the end of your life only to find out that you had based all of your actions on a belief that was not even true. Everyone believes in something, so you might as well make your faith count, right? And that's what today's message is all about. And today we're going to look at five biblical principles that are going to help you do that. They're going to help you make your faith count, not only for this world, not only in this life, uh, but for all of eternity. There is an outline in your worship guide. I invite you to take that out at this time and Uh, Follow along in the different points we'll be looking at. The scriptures are there, and there's a place to jot down some notes as well, if you would like. Uh, But as you see, our first principle is this. Faith means trust. It's that simple. Faith means trust. We see this in in really the classic definition of faith that we find in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We just read it a moment ago, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And that phrase, being sure, translates a word that means substance or confidence or assurance or 
Trust. That's what it means. And Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith means trusting that which you cannot readily see. For example, the person who trusts their spouse. If you trust your spouse, you don't follow them around everywhere and and check all their phone records and and all their emails. Why? Because you don't have to see it all in order to believe. You trust them. Faith means trust. And it's the same way when we talk about having faith in God. Having faith in God doesn't mean simply believing that he exists. A lot of people believe that God exists. I imagine if you stood at the mall and uh, had a little survey and said, do you believe God exists? Do you believe God exists? Most people say, yeah, yeah, I believe God exists, right? Most people do. But you see, having faith in God is more than that. Having faith in God means trusting him. You trust his character. You trust his promises. You trust his word. Faith involves, we usually say three things, knowledge, assent, and trust. Knowledge is important because you got to know something before you can believe it, right? So that's where it starts. You got to know something. And then assent is important because you must agree with what you know before you can believe it. But you see, it's not real faith until you take that final step, which is trust. There's a great children's message we sometimes do with the kids that illustrates this truth. And, you know, first you ask the children, you know, you line them all up and you say, do you believe that I exist? And they go, yeah, of course you exist. You're right there. You're standing right in front of us. Do you believe that I exist? That's knowledge, right? Then you ask them, do you believe that I could catch you if you fell? And some of them may, and some of them may not. But usually, the, when I've done this with kids, they go, yeah, of course you could catch us if we fell. That's, that's a scent. Then you ask them, which of you is willing to stand right up here on the edge of the stage, turn around, and fall backwards into my arms? And somebody will always volunteer, and they do it, and you catch them. You see, they may have demonstrated knowledge and assent with their first Two answers, but they have not exercised real faith until they show their trust by actually falling into your arms. And it's the same way with God, isn't it, right? It's good to believe that God exists. That's the starting point, right? It's good to agree that God's word is true. But until you trust him, until you make a conscious choice to fall into his arms and rest completely in him, then you do not truly have faith. The book of Proverbs says, we read this earlier in the service, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight. So that's our first principle this morning. You want to make your faith count? Then understand what faith means. Faith means trust. And if you truly have faith in God, that means that you will trust him with your life. Principle number one. Our second principle is this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. Look at Hebrews eleven six with me now. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
What's this first saying? You cannot please God without faith. It's impossible. I mean, you can try. Right? You can try and live a perfect life. You can try and do all the right things. You can be in church every morning and on your knees every night. But if you do not have faith, you cannot possibly please God. You might wonder, well, why is that? Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, the rest of the verse tells us why. It says, because anyone who comes to him, comes to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And this part of the verse tells us there's two things. Two things you must do in order to exercise faith and please God. Once again, where does it start? You believe that he exists, right? That makes sense. It would be hard to please God if you did not even believe that he existed. But I want you to notice something here. It's much more than just believing that there is a God, okay? Notice it doesn't say uh, you must believe that a God exists. It's not enough to just believe in the general existence of a God. Oh, yeah, I believe there's a God out there somewhere. No, Hebrews 11 says you must believe that God himself exists. That God himself, as he's revealed himself to in the scriptures, that that God, he exists. I'm probably not going to have a good relationship with my wife, Rosie, if I don't believe that she exists, okay? That's, that's got to put a, a, you know, a real cramp in the, the relationship. And it's not enough if I just say, well, you know what? I believe there's such a thing as a wife. I believe that exists. There, there's such a thing as a wife. There are wives out there. Right now, I need to believe her. I need to know her, love her, trust her. And in the same way, you need to believe that God himself Exists Not simply that there is a God somewhere out there. You need to believe in him, the one true living God who has revealed himself to us in the scriptures. And then not only must you believe that God exists, but you must also believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's go back to our little grid there. Do you believe that God exists? There's knowledge, right? Do you believe that he rewards those who seek him? That's trust. Faith means trust. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, principle number three now is this. Faith must be in Jesus Christ. Faith must be in Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 tells us this about Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, the God of the Bible has revealed himself to us through the history of Israel in the Old Testament, and then through the coming of Jesus in the New Testament. And the testimony of Scripture is clear. If you want your faith to count, your faith must be where? In Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 is a powerful statement. When you read that verse, it says salvation is found in no one else. You know what that means? It means salvation is found in no one else, right? It means you're not going to find salvation anywhere else. You will not find salvation in Islam. You will not find salvation in Hinduism. You will not find salvation in Buddhism. 
You will not find salvation in Jewish faith apart from Christ. You will not find salvation in pagan religions or in the worship of nature. There are 21 major religions in the world with many other smaller groupings and subgroupings and offshoots, and you will not find salvation in any of them but only through Jesus Christ. Now that's not to say that you will not find elements of truth in other religions. God's truth is is widespread. He's placed it in many spots. But salvation, salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible's clear on this throughout. 1 John chapter 5 puts it so simple, so clear. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is where? It is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. What does John say? If you have Jesus, then you have life. If you do not have Jesus, then you do not have life. Acts 16, 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Faith must be in Jesus Christ. So we've looked at three principles so far, right? Faith means trust. That was number one. Number two, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Number three, faith must be in Jesus Christ. Now we come to number four. Faith alone saves. Faith alone saves. And this is really one of the most precious teachings uh, you will find in the Bible. The Apostle Paul talks about it uh, in the book of Romans, the fourth chapter. He says, now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. In other words, work is different from faith, right? When you work, you get a paycheck. How many of you work? A lot of you work. How many of you have worked? Most of us have worked. When you work, you get a paycheck. That paycheck is not a gift. Each week when you get your paycheck, you don't write your boss a thank you note. Dear boss, thank you so much for my paycheck this week. That was so thoughtful of you. Thank you for your kindness. Lots of love from me, right? You don't do that. Be ridiculous. Why? Because your paycheck is not a gift. It is wages. It's something that you earned. It's something that you deserve. But you see, salvation is not something that you can earn by your works. In fact, do you know what the Bible says you do earn by your works? Do you know what your wages are for your works? The Bible says that we've all sinned and the wages of sin is death. You see, apart from Christ, even your very best works, okay, the best things you've done on your very best day, Even your best works contain a mixture of good and bad. It's like that for all of us. There is a measure of sin and selfishness in everything we do. And so if we're depending on our works, we need to realize that our works earn us death. 
not salvation. Salvation is not by works, but by faith. Ephesians 2 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is the free gift of God. It's by grace, God's grace, not your works. You know, we started this, this whole message series a few weeks ago uh, talking about work, making your work count. We talked about the importance of work in your life and, and all the ways that you can uh, honor God uh, in your work, you know, Monday through Friday or Saturday, whatever hours you work. Work is important. But your works, your good works, or lack of them, your works have no place when it comes to your salvation. And this ties in with principle number two, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Once again, you can be the best person in the world, okay? You can do the greatest religious works of anyone in history, and your works will not contribute one speck towards your salvation. Why? Because you are saved by grace through faith alone, not by works it is the gift of God. Such an important principle. Faith alone saves. However, and this is just as important, we come to principle five now, faith that saves is not alone. And if you really want to make your faith count, you've got to grasp this one, okay? Yeah, faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. Now, we were just in Ephesians chapter 2. We read verses 8 and 9. It said, you've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. So you might say, well, there's no place for works in the Christian life then. But, oh, no, you've got to read one more verse, right? We read verses 8 and 9. You've got to go to verse 10. Verse 10 says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So yes, God does want us to do good works, but those good works come after we're saved, not before. Notice what Ephesians 2.10 says. It doesn't simply say you were created like at birth to do good works. It says, no, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, faith in Christ comes first. And when you put your faith in Christ for salvation, you become a new creation, the Bible says. The old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. And that all happens by faith. But now that you are in Christ Jesus, now that you are a new creation, guess what? God has work for you to do. You are created in Christ Jesus to do those good works. And those good works are a necessary outgrowth of your faith. In fact, even though you are saved by faith and not by works, the Bible warns us that if your faith does not result in works, then that's not a true faith. It means you're not really saved. Listen to what God says in James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, true saving faith will always be accompanied by works. Faith without works is dead. Your faith must be accompanied by action. Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said in Matthew 7, part of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So let me ask you this morning. Is your life bearing good fruit or bad fruit? Are you living for Christ or are you living for self or the world? See, it's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus and then go on living as though you don't. That's not saving faith. True saving faith is always, always, always accompanied by good works. How are you saved? By faith in Jesus Christ. How do you know that you are saved? Because your life will show it. Faith faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. And so today's message is a challenging one, isn't it? But it's it's really the heart of the Christian message. And it causes us to stop and look at our lives. And and we should do that. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, tells us that we should examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. You see, there is no Christianity without Christ. And there is no Christianity without faith. What are our five principles? Faith means trust. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith must be in Jesus Christ. Faith alone saves. Faith that saves is not alone. And so I encourage you to take that outline home with you and look at those five biblical principles and then examine your life. Where are you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Examine your own life. Examine your own faith. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to trust him today. Remember the kid on the stage? Fall into his strong and loving arms. Trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Let him make you a new creation. Let him give you new purpose and meaning in life. And if you are a Christian this morning, 
then let me encourage you to live by faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You see, everyone believes in something. What do you believe in? Let me encourage you this morning to trust God and believe in Christ. It is the only way of salvation. It is the only way to live the Christian life. It is the only way to make your faith count. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Your word teaches us, instructs us, it challenges us, it confronts us, and Lord, it does that because you are in your word. Your word is living and active, and you are speaking to us through your word this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that the the promptings we felt in our hearts and spirit, the convictions we may have felt this morning, Lord, that we would not brush those off and say, that was just a passing fancy. No, God, that is you speaking to us by your Holy Spirit, through your word. And Lord, we need to listen to you. And so, Lord, whatever we have heard from you this morning, whatever decisions we've been confronted with, I pray that you would help us to make them. Because we trust you. And we trust that your way is best. And we acknowledge you. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name.